Millie team. Man, how many of you like moving, right? None of you. Praise the Lord. I am with you this morning. Right, last week, Sunday, was our final move after service. We took about 15 of our OC members. We went to our Inaloa property, and we got our uh, big 10 by 10 shed. Uncle Mike let us graciously let us use his flatbed to put our big shed, 10 by 10 shed, on top of uh, this uh, flatbed. And we brought it back, and you know, this shed is for our Okano, yeah, all our junk. All our stuff, right? How many of you have, have some of these boxes at home, right? Yeah. Right? Some of you, right? Yeah. yeah, some of you don't celebrate Christmas. Ungodly. Okay, whatever. All right? <laughs> but anyway, like, how, many, how many of you have this kind of box at home, right? <laughs> Hello. Yeah, come on. Right? Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? This is a storage box hallelujah amen right it's a storage box and this keeps things in and something about a storage box is we take things as we need and if you're like our family right after thanksgiving our family got these boxes and all that and we unloaded them had all christmas stuff in it and we took it out and we well hold on my wife took it out and started decorating the house and all that and that's what storage boxes are for it comes and goes we fill up the box we empty out the box and that 10 by 10 shed is cluttered with these boxes by the end of different seasons and all that but I want to talk to you about a different box all right I want to talk to you about a different box this right here is what a gift box right and a gift box is a little different right though we store something in the gift box it's not ultimately made to stay in the gift box. Does that make sense? We take it out, and, and hopefully there's a gift in here. Can I get a witness? Amen. And the purpose of a gift box is to use the... Hallelujah, all theologians up in this room, right? To, to use this gift. And you know, in all reality, we as Christians use church in these two different ways. Sometimes our relationship with God... Looks like a storage box. We come to God as we, as we go, as we please, as we need him. But when we don't need God, we pack him away. Right? But some of us, we have matured in our faith in Jesus Christ. We're no longer battling with the elementary doctrines of this world. But we're growing and we're moving forward. And we have a gift box. And, and the Bible says in Ephesians 2.8 that we've been saved by Grace through faith, it is a gift of God, not a work of any man. And, and we've been given that gift, and the gift is ultimately meant to use it. Some of us who have grown in Christ understand that our relationship with God is used as a gift. And this morning, what I want to do is uh, I want to give this to someone very brother right here. I don't even know you. Come up here. I want to give you a gift, all right? And I want you to use the gift as we just shared, right? Not to put back, but for you and Johanna, God bless you guys for being here today. That's the gift, right? Now, now I don't know, even know the brother, okay? And his Johanna. This is the first time I meet him from Adam, okay? And all that. But that's what we see when we view our walk with Jesus. We either use our relationship with God like a storage box, which is all filled with clutter. Can I get a witness out there, right? Or we, if we're maturing in the faith, we treat our relationship with Christ as it was intended it to be as a gift. And a gift is meant to be used. I, wanna, I want you to get this point right here. God desires, listen to me, 
God's passion. Listen to me. God's purpose. Can I get say it any other way? You guys ready, right? God desires to use you in the lives of others. Say that with me. It's up on the screen. One, two, three. God desires to use you in the lives of others. God has not rescued us to store that gift. God has rescued us to share that gift. All right? The gift we call salvation. And here's the point. Church is not simply a place that exists to meet my needs. Church is a community where Christ in me can meet the needs of others. All three of you heard that. Let me say that again, okay? All right? Church is not simply a place that exists to meet my needs. Church is a community where Christ in me can meet the needs of others. All right, now, now hear me out. Hear me out. Listen to me. You may say, how, Kahu? How? In all my weaknesses, in my struggles, in with my Opala, my Pilakia, in my brokenness, how can God use me for the needs of others? I am glad you asked that question today, right? Because <laughs> in the first century, we see Peter, the apostle Peter. And Peter is in a context where the Christians are being blamed You can go into history. In the first century of history, Christians are being blamed for the burning of Rome. And in this context, we see that Peter is sharing one thing about. Now, a lot of Christians, we become what we call victimized Christians. Oh, poor me. Right? Or Eeyore feeling right. Oh, me, poor bear. Right? But in all reality, Peter didn't use this situation of Rome being burnt down. The emperor Emperor Nero was a pagan emperor. Many believe that he was so pagan that that was the reason why Rome burned in one day. And so he blamed the most unpopular people group, the Christians. And Peter is writing in this context, and Peter is sharing with the first century Christians and with us today what it means to follow Christ. Would you stand with me in the reading of God's word? In 1 Peter chapter 4, he says this. What a powerful, profound truth. He says, as each has received a gift. All right, think about that, what we just talked about. As each has received a gift, hold it. Thank you for listening. He says, use it to what? Serve one another. Listen to me. Just listen. As God's stewards of God's varied grace. God, we don't need a word from me. We need a word from you. God, put away any pride or hostility, put purity in our hearts, and Lord, may we evaluate our relationship with you based if it's a storage box context or a gift box context. Lord, the Christmas season is about you. Every season is about you, God. And we ask you to fill us with you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and God's Ohana says, Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. This is some key points, and I want to give you guys three defining statements in that small little verse that we see in 1 Peter. The first first statement is this. You have been given a grace 
gift. Now, if you're listening, say that with me. One, two, three. You have been given a grace gift. Now, you may be asking, what is a grace gift? Well, let's break down those two words. The word grace in the Greek language is the word charis. All right? The word charis literally means to get what you don't deserve. It's an unmerited gift that we talked about last week. And unmer- you cannot do nothing to receive Christ. Can I get a witness out there? You are depraved at the core. You are filled with sin. When you come into this world because of an Adam and Eve sin, say, Mahalo Adam and Eve. Everybody say it. All right, because of Adam and Eve's sin, we have been imputated with that sin. We have been inherited that sin. And because of that, we're separated from God. We are alive to sin and dead to God. But when Jesus took control of our lives, what we've been given was charis. We've been given charis. We've been given grace. Now, gift, the word gift is a different Greek word. It's the word charisma. Say that word with me. Charisma. It's where people use the word charismatic, right, in the definition. And listen to me. This is what, this is what Dr. Jimmy Milliken says about charisma. He said, charisma is the outward manifestation not of that which one is born with nor inherited through the womb of the mother, but what is implanted by the who? Holy Spirit when one is what? Reborn. It is that which is accomplished and through and in and through the believer by the Holy Spirit, which would otherwise not be accomplished. What am I saying? That at the point of salvation, listen to me, at the point when you gave your life to Jesus, every believer in Christ is uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. To serve others. To serve others. And here is the tension. We stop serving others, number one, when we have unconfessed sin in our lives, okay? Number two, we stop serving others when we think of ourselves. We stop serving others when we're all about the needs of myself. But God didn't rescue you to pity you. God rescued you to share you with the world. There's so much difference. And what happens is even in a pastoral life, my father pastored for almost 40 years. He was a kahu here in Hawaii, in Samoa, in, in Tahiti, and he's traveled all over the world. And my father, for like a good, when my mother died, for a good 10 years, did not do nothing because he was grieving. And one of the greatest things he told me to that process of grieving, he said that, look, he said, son, don't make your wife your God. I made... Though we are to become one, while, while your mother is enjoying the presence of God, I'm not enjoying at all. Therefore, I'm no good to nobody here on earth. And so God, so God did that work in it. And listen to me. Ministry, for some of you who are thinking about church ministry, don't become a pastor. No, for real. I discourage anyone to not become a pastor. Why? Because you got to deal with people. And the reason why we got to deal with people is because that's what God has called us to do. But even more than that, it's not the job of the pastor alone to deal with people. God has grace gifted us 
so that we might serve others. In the New Testament, there's over 25 different grace gifts. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Ephesians 4 gives an exhausting list, right? I say exhausting because some of you don't even know one of them, right? Of spiritual gifts or grace gifts that we possess as a body of Christ. And here is the reality. Listen to me. You have one of those gifts or several of those gifts, Many of you may say, Kahu, you're a great communicator. Hold up. Let's back up a little, okay? You must have the gift of communication. Let's stop there for a minute, all right? Relax, everybody. Here's the deal. Did you know that when I was a small child, all right, I had to take communication classes because I stuttered a lot. Now, me as a Hawaiian boy, okay, I couldn't even say pana eva. The way I would say pana eva is pana eva, right? Because I stuttered a lot. And so when I took my uh, communication class, five, six, seven, you remember when I was little and all that? Mom would drop me off at the psychiatrist. And then what the psychiatrist told me was my mind was all over the place. You Hawaiians know what I'm talking about over there. Thinking here, oh, bird, oh, deer, you know, go to Tennessee and all that, right? And so my mind was all over the place. So what I had to do was I had to tap my nose. And I had to read out loud. Because what happened was I had a center focus. Does that make sense? And so I had to get better at communication and, you know, the pidgin language. I mean, Hawaiians, we, we're done already being born here. You know what I'm saying? We have our own language that is not even authorized as a language. Right? <laughs> pidgin. Hallelujah. How many of you grew up in pidgin? That's a known language. Come on, write it up, y'all. Okay? That's the reality. And so I had to do this, and then I got better. But one of the things I was always nervous of is speaking in front of people. Listen to me. Today would not be today if God did not grace gift me with the ability to communicate. Now, we call it teaching. We call it preaching in the Bible if you want to be biblically technical and all that. But God has uniquely gifted. And there's some people that can communicate. But because of the spirit of God and the grace gift that God has given them, they can communicate even better because they're uniquely designed by God to do so. It's just like giving. God requires every one of us, commands all of us to give generously. Amen? But there are certain people who God has uniquely grace gifted to give above and beyond and more than we could ever think of. Why? Because that's the way God wired them. Isn't that good? What am I trying to say here? God has given every one of you a grace gift, right? And that's the next question. If that's the case, who has a grace gift? Who? Oh, well, let's look at the verse. Let the verse interpret the verse. John MacArthur says this, every believer, spiritually giftedness is unique. As if each were a spiritual snowflake or fingerprint. It is as if God dips his paintbrush into different colors or categories of gifts on his spiritual palette and paints each Christian a unique blend of colors. What a beautiful picture of God's grace, right? So the question is then, who has a grace gift? Or in the text, it says each one. It starts off with the verses, everyone, each one of you. The word each, Wayne Grudem says it this way, implies that every person in the fellowship of believers, if you are a Christ follower, say amen. Amen. You qualify, praise the Lord, all right? If you are a Christ follower, in every church, all right, Peter is saying this, in every church, every believer to which Peter was writing, he's saying this, we have received a spiritual gift for to, for, to use in the life of 
the church. So it starts inwardly. How we serve the church, all right, affects how we serve the city. When I wake up 5 o'clock every morning on my way to Hilo High School, right, what happens here in here matters for what happens out there. How we encourage and admonish one another, all right, is fuel for how we encourage and admonish others outside of the flock. There is much to know when we talk about this. No one, this, I love this about Christianity. That means no one is excluded from the family of God. As a football coach, you know what this means? There's no first, second, or third string. Can I get a witness, Uncle Will? You know what I'm talking about, huh? There is no second string or third string. There is one string, the family of God. There's no sideliners. There's no bench warmers. Can I get a witness, right? Everybody has a part in the kingdom of God. And God has designed it that way. Why? So that others may see that gift. Man, that is powerful. And here's an equation I would put it. You ready? Saved equals gifted. Say it with me. One, two, three. Saved equals gifted. Hey, nod your neighbor over there. Say, eh. If you saved, you gifted. You gifted. I mean, that's the reality. You are, some of you never grew up in that kind of family where you nod each other. Sorry, bro. We do more than that where I grew up, all right? Hey, wake up. You gifted, bro. You gifted. Here's the point. Every member of the family of God is valuable. Every member of the family of God is valuable. You are valuable. You are valuable. Some of you are like, oh, this is a different message. Calvary usually don't start this early with the valuable nature yeah, of man. You are valuable. Listen to me. You are so valuable. Look, God values you, values you more than he values angels. How do I know that? There are fallen angels since the beginning of time. God will never redeem them. But God will redeem fallen men. Why? Because you've been made in the image of him. There's a beautiful picture of God's grace in this text. Saved equals gifted. Every member of the family is valuable. I want you to see what 1 Corinthians says in the New American Standard Version. It says, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? Come on. If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now, I love when God says, but after an issue, okay? But now, God has placed the members, the ohana, all right? Each one of them in the body, just as he, say that last word, desired. Just as he Desired. Here's the reality. Here's two words I want you to see in that text. Number one, placed. God has put you in a proper assignment for his namesake. Some of you have been uniquely grace gifted. And some of you differently grace gifted. And that is your assignment until you enter heaven. Your assignment is to use that for the glory of God. Here's the next word. The word is desired. Another word for that out of the Greek is purpose. Your unique assignment is a part of God's ultimate purpose. You've been assigned by God to do this. 
I want everybody to be hear, hear me clear. God birthed Ohana Church to accomplish his mission. All right, listen to me. And every person that is a part of God's Ohana has been grace gifted by God for a unique assignment. Listen to me. We cannot and will not accomplish this mission apart from each other. We need one another. We need one another. One of the main reasons Hilo High School won states this year, this past year, football, is because all hundred players were at practice from February. All hundred players, think about it. Season don't even start till July. But all people were participating from February. What does that mean? They were serious about the mission. Are you serious about the mission? Are you serious about God's mission? Or are you being passive about the mission? Is there so much stuff in your life that you can't give to God in the gift that he has given you so that you can be proactive in the mission? Are you halfway in? Are you all in? Listen to me. There's only one way to live the Christian life. And many of you know this. It's all or nothing. Because you know what? Me, when I'm halfway in it, I get in trouble. Can I get a witness? Let's start with simple behavior things, right? Honey, can you take off the trash? And I'm like, three boys over here. Tell them to take off the trash. I mean, seven, six. Man, I'm pretty sure they can take off the trash, right? Maybe not the two-year-old. Maybe he make the trash the two years, you know what I'm saying? But I'm pretty sure he can. And you know what happens? Mama not happy, nobody happy. Because daddy decided to, ugh, right? Are you in? Are you out? There's an old Pentecostal song we used to sing growing up in the church. You got to get in or you got to get out, all right? And guess what? Don't get run over on, in the process. The reality is God has to give us a unique assignment to be on mission for the sake of the gospel. Check out this. In, in November uh, 1938, in North Carolina, there are two boys who, who entered a church. And at the time, uh, Mordecai Ham, a famous evangelist, was preaching the gospel here in North Carolina. And it was so packed, the church. It said that Mordecai Ham, in his ministry, this is around 1932, in his ministry, he led over 200,000 people to faith in Christ. I mean, 200,000. He was a well-known evangelist before we had social media. And you may have never heard him unless you've read some ancient books. I say ancient because many of us wasn't around the time in 1932, Hawaiians. All right? And the reality is he led 200,000. He was in North Carolina. He was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Two young men came into the service. It was so crowded that they, they didn't have seats. So these two young teenage boys decides to leave the church because there is no, there's no seat available for them to seat, sit. And as they were exiting the door, an usher came up to them. And the usher came up to these two young men and he said, hey, you can take my seat. You guys can take our seats, the ushers. So they gave them those two seats. And that, that day, all right, those two young men gave their lives to Jesus Christ, all right? Now here's the reality. You may never know that usher's name. 
In the book, in the story, we never know the name of the usher, but we know the name of the one, one of those young men, and his name is Billy Graham. What if that usher was not faithful to serving others? You guys know the story of Billy Graham. He has, he has traveled the world. He's still living today, I believe. And he's almost 100 years old. And he has led, listen to me, he has led millions, not 200,000. He has led millions to Jesus Christ. Why? Because one unknown usher decided to live for God. Are you with me? Like God grace gifted us to be a blessing to others. And we see this text lived out generously by the faithful hands of an unknown usher. Here's number two. You have been given grace gift to serve others. You have been given a grace gift to serve others. The, the text says, use it, right, in serving one another. The word use it in a serving in the Greek language means to wait tables. So when, when the text is saying, like, use these gifts to serve others, he's saying, like, wait on people. Be the greatest waitress and waiter you can be with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is it saying? Be, it's a present tense uh, word, meaning saying this. Be intentional about serving others. Like, serving others cannot just be spontaneous. Serving others has to be structured. And we'll talk about that later. Sometime we go out and we live this Christian life, thinking, oh, God's going to show something up. God always shows something up. You just have to be structured and ready to give and ready to serve. What a beautiful picture when this takes place. Look at this. It worked to Christians. Let's flip the script now. When you guys go to restaurants, one of the ways you can bless your waitress and your waiters, all right, listen to me, whether they're good or bad waitresses or waiters, tip them well. Look, if, if God used the standard of salvation for us based on our good and bad, we would not be saved today. And one of the way we minister to waitresses and waiters is whether they one fry short of a happy meal or whether they, they're mean and ugly or they pass it, whatever the case is, we ought to tip as though we belong to God. You know, Christian, we want the benefit. We want to receive hallelujah, right? But then God flips it on us. He said, I know in the Old Testament you guys looked at it like you were the chosen brothers and sisters over here. But let me tell you something. You weren't chose to sit on it. You were chose to be a blessing for my name. For my name. Be a blessing to others. Here's the point. God has given me a gift. God has given us a gift. And I am to live on the lookout for ways to use my gift to serve others through the family of God. What a great, and here's the question. Have you ever seen a need and wondered why the church didn't do nothing? Huh? How many, how many of you, have you ever seen a need, whether it's in the community, in the church, whatever the case, and you asked, 
Why is the church not doing nothing? Well, let me give you a better perspective, okay? Because sometimes we can look at the church as an organization and us separate from the organization of the church. In all reality, maybe God is raising you up to fulfill that need. Hallelujah. Why? Because you're the church. You're the church. Look, in my last, in my 15 years of pastoring, okay, it's been consistent. We've seen people come and say, hey, why the church ain't doing nothing for this family? Oh, we are. We're just waiting for you to be raised up and go do something about it. Right? Oh, but don't we have a budget for that? Oh, yeah, we do. We do. But if we limit ourselves to that budget, we're not giving above and beyond. We're just giving for what's required. If love, listen to me, if love is based on what's required, it's going to be hard to reach this city with the gospel. Why? Because no one has anything in themselves apart from sin, all right, that can rescue them from that depravity. We need someone pure. We need Jesus. And what Jesus does, he lives that life in and through us for the glory of his name. So here's two common mistakes. When we look at grace gifts, spiritual gifts, here are two common mistakes we see. Number one, we have an obsession with knowing my gift. Right? How many of you, when you first became a believer like that, what the heck is a gift? What's a spiritual gift? Is that like an uh, emotional thing I feel on the inside that I need to try to go through my throat and grab it out? What, what is a gift, right? It's there. Hawaiians, relax. All right? All right? The ble- bless the best way, all right, the best way you can find out your spiritual gift as you read scripture is as you are waiting on, not waiting for God, but as you are waiting others in service. You want to find your spiritual gift? Serve others. You want to find what spiritual gifts you have? And listen to me, as you grow in Christ, this is what we've determined. Your gifts change because you mature. And you grow. So I can promise you, because I was a college student, all right, and I'm still, you know, paying off some of my seminary debt and all this stuff. But when I was a college student, I was single life. My gift was not giving, I can promise you that. (laughs) Right? And my, my gift was service. And that gift, and every believer, when they are saved, I believe the first gift everyone gets that's having commonality is service. Why? Because God has uniquely gifted us in Jesus to make much of him in being like Jesus on this earth, serving others. And as I grew in that gift and I started spending time with the Lord and reading God's word, that gift began to vary and change. I found out that God's given me the gift to pastor. Now, pastor doesn't mean to preach only. Does that make sense? Pastor means to take care of, to shepherd sheep. Here's the problem with that. Sheep aren't very bright, okay? Now, I'm not there to make you feel bad. That that is the way God points out the text. You know, he black and white, God, straight down the middle. He says, we are like sheep led astray. And God has given Kaho Marcus and I the gift to shepherd. And listen to me. I've shepherded wrong. I've shepherded wrong more than I've shepherded good. I'm still learning what it means to shepherd. But that's why it's a gift and not an ability. Because only God can do 
what he must do in my life to do in the life of others. And that's the thing for others. Here's number two. We think that our gift is about me. If that's the case, you're in the wrong faith. The gift is not about you. Listen to me. All spiritual gifts is to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's never to advance your own personal prosperity. All right? The gift that God has given us in the measure of Ephesians chapter 2 of what it talks about, God's measure of gift, all right, is given to us so that we may be a blessing to others. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. He also says that, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The word common good literally means a benefit. You've been given a grace gift to be a benefit to many. How will people know Jesus by your grace gift? How will people experience your grace the grace gift of God by your obedience and trusting in Christ and being a blessing to the city. That's all. Meaning that if it doesn't serve the family of God through the family of God, then it's not a spiritual gift. It may be gas. Just saying. God has uniquely given you this gift to serve others. Here's the last truth, then we be Paul. Number three, serving others is the only right response to God's grace in your life. I want you to meditate on that for a few seconds. I want you to look at those words, and I want you to acknowledge why God has graciously gifted you. Would you say that truth with me one more time? One, two, three. Serving others is the only right response to God's grace in your life. That is so powerful. Look at what J.B. Phillips says in his translation of this verse. He says, serve one another with the particular gifts God has given each of you. As faithful dispensers of the magnificently varied grace of God. The word that comes up to mind is the word steward. A steward is a person who manages something that belongs to someone else. Listen to what William Barclay says. It's not on the screen, but I want you to listen, all right? In the ancient world, the steward was very important. He himself might be a slave, but his master's goods were in his hands. There were two main kinds of stewards. Listen to me. The first one is the dispenser, who was responsible for all the domestic arrangements of the household. Number two is the bailiff, who was in charge of his master's estates and finances. The steward knew well that nothing of the things over which he had control belonged to him. They belonged to his master, and his administration of them is his duty to what the master says on how he can use those things. What are we saying? God has given you salvation. You are a steward of Salvation in the form of a grace gift we call spiritual gifts. Those spiritual gifts are given to you, listen to me, so that you may be a steward of God's grace. Listen to me. I have failed more than I have succeeded in the Christian life. And if the Christian life was all about perfection, all right, then I am disqualified to be a Christian. 
But the goodness of God's grace tells us to be better, to live better. Why? Because when you come face to face with God, you begin to change. This is a horrific illustration, but I heard this once. Someone was walking on the street and he walked in front of a semi truck and he was blasted. And when his wife came to see him, he looked different. Now, whatever you want to use for that, listen to me. When you come head on collision with a holy God, you look different for the grace of God. And a lot of us, we need God to collide his face with our hearts. God, we need you to be the semi-truck in our lives. We need you to wreck our depravity. Lord, me, I'm a failure, God. I am not perfect. Sometimes I can preach with so much passion, people would judge the way I preach and my passion. But the reality is, I'm just like you, man. Thank God for Christ. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God that we have a commonality, that the only thing we bring to the foot of the cross is our sin and our depravity that was necessary for Christ to die on our behalf, and that we have him to live that out through us. And the only way to respond to that is, God, use me for your glory. Use me for, here's it, serving others is really more about my response to the grace of God in my life, listen to me, than it is a response to the need of someone else's life. Let me say that again. Serving others is really more about my response to the grace of God in my own life rather than my response to the needs of someone else. What does that mean? We cannot afford not to serve others. That is how we respond to God. That is our worship to God. As we look at the nation of Japan, we'll be like, man, 99.7% of Japanese people are lost without the gospel. And we could be holier to that and say, they need the gospel. In all reality, we need the gospel even more for boldness. For, for no fear to get up in there. And not only that, not so that, because we look at poverty as well. When we serve poverty, like it's Christmas season, a lot of homeless organizations is going on right now. And the Bible says to feed whatever the case is. But we think that, man, they need us. No, we need God. And we need to serve. Because that is the only way we can respond to the greatness of God. Serving is the way we worship Christ. And we need him, period. For that, as Christ served us, we, we respond to his grace by serving others. So what does this look like for us? What is the application? Well, I want to remind you, if you've been with our church for any longer, we have a strategy called the 531 strategy. And I want to share with you how you can be a part of this. I live this way. Now that I work uh, at a public school, man, I have opportunities to live this even more. But it's, uh, 531 is based on this. Every week, this is weekly goals for me when I come to serve others. The five stands for encouraging five people a week. Bro, I like encourage five people. Why? Because I want to be in tune to God, with God. 
How will I do that? I'm going to encourage five people. I'm going to text them. I'm going to call them. I'm going to talk story with them. I'm going to take them out to lunch. I'm going to take them to dinner. We're going to hang out. I'm going to encourage them. I'm not going to so much just belittle them. And there's sometimes in those conversations I will correct and admonish. You got to make sure that correction is encouragement too. All right? Quiet in this room when I said that, right? Correction is encouragement. Why? Where there is correction, there is truth. Where there is truth, there is freedom in Christ. All right? So I, I have a go to encourage five people every, number three, I want to disciple three people a week. Now, for you who are fathers or parents, mothers, and all that, start with your children. That's your goal. You want to decide what well, it means to disciple. You want to make followers of Jesus in these three people. The top five doesn't mean you're going to disciple. The top five is just you just loving people to the beauty of Christ, period. All right? It gets you in the mood of doing, living life on mission. But number one, here's the one that should, should bump up, all right? But number one, I want to share Christ with one lost person a week. Did you know that five, uh, 95% of Hilo don't attend an evangelical church? Now, we don't know about lostness because you don't have to attend a church to be a believer and all that. But the Bible's pretty clear. If you're a believer, you're going to gather because you need one another. We see that in the text already. But listen to me. 95, you, I can't even promise you and, and defend to you just on Sunday that people aren't going to evangelical church. Why? Because if where I used to live from Inaloa, Monday to Saturday, it is packed on the highway, right? But Sundays, free game. Literally. Because people are home. They probably bust from the paina last night or something like that. And here they are. And they're missing out on the paina today. There is joy. So I want to encourage every one of you. Five, three, one. That's how we're going to love people to the beauty of Christ. We're going to encourage five people a week. It doesn't have to be the same. Again, you can be different people every week. The discipleship, I want to disciple three people a week. And I want to share Jesus. This week was so awesome, guys. It's been my Friday. I celebrated one week of, of, of being at the school and all that. And my legs are all bust up and sore because you know what they didn't do? They didn't give the new security guard the highway to heaven. I got to walk all the way up to heaven every day. Yeah? What a, amen. Praise the Lord, Mary. I may have some abs after this season, all right? Maybe. All right. They're going to have the big block still, if I, a soft block. Um, but anyway, but listen to me. I was, I was just... Uh, I was just walking back, and bro, I promised the last day on Friday, Connie, one of the janitors come up to me, and you know, he know me as coach, and, you know, because he saw me coach football the last few seasons, and all I said, coach, you want pastor? And I said, yeah, why? I said, bro, you can pray for me. And after I was like, why? Then he told me, all oh, his haka car, what's going on, and all this stuff. But I told him, I'll do something even better. Before I pray with you, I'm going to share with you something, Okay. So what a perfect platform, right? Right? To share God's grace gift with this brother. And this is what I told this brother. You know why you experience what you experience? I told him everything that I shared with you guys last week. Because everything physical is the result of things spiritual. Right now you like point the finger at everybody else. And in all reality, you have to accuse the right individual. I say, There's a person called Satan. So I got to share the gospel from one to whatever steps I used. And this is what I said, listen to me. This prayer can only work if you understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't believe he made a profession of faith that day, but I believe his heart was cut like Acts 2. 
And when I pray for him, you could hear him with his, you know how us tough guys, we keep our glasses on and on, and we start weeping and crying, and yeah, I'm guilty, right, and all that, right? And he was, and you could feel his, his demeanor, his brokenness. You could feel everything in him. And what I noticed is this, God, this is why you put me in this school. Listen to me. And I pray you're not clapping for me, you're clapping for Christ. Because here's the reality. God has uniquely placed you in some area in this city to be a blessing to people. Your grace gift was given to you to honor and magnify the Lord in no other way that I couldn't do for you in that area versus you couldn't do for me in my area. And when the body of Christ captures that, then Christmas is all about Jesus. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, thank you for your grace. Lord, thank you that though we may clutter our season of Christmas with things that is fun and exciting, Lord, you can go beyond the surface level of that and acknowledge in our hearts that we desperately need you. And in this time of reflection, as your head is bowed, your eyes closed, I want you to do a couple of things. Number one, would you acknowledge by faith that you have been given a grace gift? Right now in your hearts, we say, God, thank you for this grace gift. Whether it's teaching, serving, encouragement, faith, giving, whatever that gift is, thank God and acknowledge to God of that grace gift. If you don't know, thank God anyway. And tell God, give you an opportunity to just serve in general. Number two, I want to ask God this. God, am I a good steward of the grace gift you've given me? Evaluate that for your life today. God, am I a good steward of the grace you have gifted me with? And number three, ask yourself, where am I serving and who am I serving?